0: Welcome to Talking Tourism, the podcast series created specifically for tourism operators. Talking Tourism, the expert series, is the ultimate resource for business owners who want to lift their skills to the next level. If you want to learn how to be a better tourism operator, listen on.
1: This is Talking Tourism, and I'm today's host, David Reid. Every week, the Tourism Industry Council Tasmania is bringing you conversations with the brightest minds in the tourism industry, and TICT is the peak body for tourism operators in this beautiful island state of Tasmania. Each episode of Talking Tourism deals with a specific tourism-related topic, with tips and advice for improving your tourism business and getting ahead in the visitor economy. You might be listening to this outside of Tasmania, and if so, well, welcome... The content of these podcasts is relevant to you and your tourism business wherever you're based. Today I'm talking with Kath McCann. She's from the Rest Point and Country Club Tasmania. And I've have a brief bio about Kath McCann here, which goes for about four days, but I won't use that immediately. I'll just say hello, Kath, and welcome.
0: Hello, David, and thank you. Uh,
1: now, you've been with this organization of the Federal Group for how many years?
0: Just over five years.
1: Wow. And before then?
0: I was the very uh, fortunate uh, person who had the role of the Director of Marketing at Tourism Tasmania.
1: Today, we're talking about workplace culture. Could there be two any different organisations?
0: Uh look, it, <laughs> that's an interesting question. Uh, a Statutory authority within the state government and a, a family-owned uh, enterprise, and of course, the largest private sector employer in Tasmania, certainly structurally two very different organisations, and, and probably from a workplace culture perspective, absolutely two different organisations.
1: Okay. Well, we've, Started the discussion on workplace culture, and I've got you a goodie in the first one. So, what I'm going to ask you now is why do I want to know? Why do I want to know about workplace culture?
0: It's a great question. Workplace culture is pretty damn important, particularly in the tourism industry. Workplace culture is effectively the environment that you create for your employees. And why is that important in the tourism sector? Well, ultimately, we're in the business of creating great experiences. And experiences are generally generated by people. People build culture. And if your workplace culture is struggling or not performing or not where you want it to be, then your customers are probably going to feel it and it's going to impact your tourism experience. So I think if you're a manager, if you're a leader, if you're a business owner, or even an employee, understanding what workplace culture is and how it impacts your customer experience is integral to how you participate in this industry. Where does it start? It starts with you. At it starts the top, with me. Everybody. Look, it really does start at the top. That that is absolutely critical, um, and certainly the role of leadership in workplace culture is something that cannot be underestimated. One thing we talk about in our business is that uh, strategy guides you as an organisation, but culture drives you. And I think that's really, really important. Say that
1: again slowly. Strategy Strategy guides you, you.
0: culture drives you. So world's best strategy, wonderful, good on you. But without the organisational culture that sits around it, your ability to execute it in a way that's actually going to deliver for your organisation, for your people and ultimately your customers is going to be severely impacted.
1: Is, is workplace culture something for the rich and famous? I, you work for the largest private sector employer in the state. I own the smallest with two part-time staff who come occasionally. Is workplace culture important to me as it is important to you?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think you've had a recent podcast addressing brand as well. And the inextricable link between culture within your organisation and the representation of experience and how that represents your brand is something that also can't be underestimated. So from a sole operator to the federal group and everywhere in between, if your culture is not working for you and the experience you want to deliver, then you're going to probably find that you might have some troubles.
1: Okay. So we've talked about specifically the tourism industry, but surely this is a um, homogenous issue. This is an issue that is across every type and style of industry. And is it – the tourism industry is made up of a whole lot of different segments. I mean, there's there's the hospitality bit with restaurants and all sorts of other bits and pieces – and then there's the activity section, and there's museums, and there's oh, it goes on forever. Are, are we able to discuss workplace culture across all of those segments, and 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 is the same, is it the same relevance to all?
0: Absolutely, it is. And, and as I said, I think it's everything from you know guiding a, a great walk to um, a, a sole operator prov- providing consulting services to other operations to to a hotelier and everything in between. When I think about workplace culture and what it impacts, fundamentally in our game, and I talked about it earlier, is we're we're a business, we're an industry that revolves around human interactions. And if those humans are not feeling, if you like, satisfied culturally within the organisation in which they're working, then it's probably going to be felt in the experience that's delivered to the consumer. So there's no doubt it'll come to life differently depending on your organisation, the size and the shape of it and how it works. But fundamentally, it is critical to to what you deliver as an organization.
1: there's a, a very interesting idiom of business. If you can't measure it, you can't manage it. So we're now discussing worst place culture. How is that measured?:
0: It's critical that it is.: Ah. common practice now in organisations is to actually set about to create a cultural statement. That is to define the culture that you wish to see in your organisation. And I'd be interested as to the number of listeners today around how many people have actually done that. A lot of organisations and individuals find it quite a a tricky thing to actually articulate the culture that you'd like in your organisation. In terms of measuring, I absolutely agree. If you can't, if you can't measure it, um, you, you, probably, you probably can't manage it. My advice in this space would be to really understand your baseline around culture. Now, in large organisations, David, you know you can undertake a, an organisational cultural survey, you can pulse check, you can, you can find out information from your employees. In smaller organisations, probably where you're closer to your employees and your team, or maybe you are the employee, um, then culture should be easier... To manage and to measure. But it is really, really important to stay close to it.
1: The discussion about articulating a workplace cultural statement is a really interesting question, Kath. And it's something that has just dawned on me that it will be interesting in a few years' time when it becomes part of the tourism awards. For example, and question nine will be please give us your cultural workplace statement. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is that the way it, it would be framed? And, and have you any comments about that?
0: Yeah, look, I, I think it's a really interesting um, concept in terms of actually sitting down and defining what culture within your organisation needs to look and feel like in order to deliver the proposition that you're setting out to deliver. And I think many of us uh, would find that quite a difficult task. You asked the question previously around measuring, I think it's critical in order to be able to measure against what you want it to be, that you, you have to actually sit back and define what you want it to be.
1: So you've got to have what it is before the – yeah, okay.
0: Well, you can't measure what, what you don't know. I mean, you can get a benchmark and understand what it is and then work towards something, but ultimately setting it and defining it is something that sits with, with, with leadership within an organisation. So
1: we've, we've set up our, our statement – and our workplace cultural arrangements or, or policies, what are the, some of the practical steps that we need to implement this workplace culture?
0: Well, I talked about strategy earlier, and it, you can't, strategy and culture go together. So your cultural statement should align with, with your strategy and what you're trying to deliver as an organisation. And I think it's really important that you have got a really clear organisational purpose, mission, vision ultimately you you've probably got your brand defined as well.
1: Do we still have a set of values in there somewhere?
0: Look, I think so. Do I we, mean
1: yep, is that still? And
0: potentially your values will aligned to your cultural statement. they and- can can be one and the same. Right. Yeah. So in terms of um, you know really practically, you you've got to get your strategy clear on where you're heading, uh, and you need to be able to localise that to an individual in an organisation. So it's all well and good to you know put the the light on the heel and tell people that's where we're heading. But importantly, and particularly from a cultural perspective, as human beings, we strive to belong and understanding what role individuals play in that is critically important. So I'd encourage everyone to ask themselves that question is, do we have a defined strategy and ultimately can we localise that to the individuals within our team so that they know what role they play in getting there?
1: Presumably then they would feel much happier because they're supposed to be understanding where their place in the zoo is. How they fit within the family, what like, what are their expectations? Um, what are the expectations on them? So I presume it's a two-way thing here. The, the 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 culture of the of the business will improve, but I would assume in this in in this example that the the benefits go to the all the people that are part of the team too, because they must feel um, uh, successful, welcome, warm. Valued.
0: And ultimately deliver at a a financial level. So there's no doubt there is a link between organisational workplace culture and organisational performance. And success, yeah. And success, ultimately. So it is critically important. And and as I said, as human beings, we, we seek to be part of something and particularly in the tourism industry. You know, as I said earlier, we're setting out to connect with people to deliver great experiences. If you're clear on where your organisation's heading, what you're all about, and you're working in an environment where you feel supported and happy and, and motivated, then of course, we're likely to get not only a better outcome for the business, but ultimately a better outcome for the customers and the visitors.
1: So, what are the, what are the practical tips for influencing workplace culture?
0: Well, I think leadership's key. Demonstrating leadership in your business and, you know, as an everyday part of what we do is critical. But culturally, you know, we say the tone at the top drives the mood in the middle, which affects the buzz at the bottom. So the tone at the top and the leadership and and particularly the demonstrable, action-oriented behavioural leadership is absolutely critical to setting the tone around culture of an organisation. I think very tightly linked to leadership is communication. So simple, targeted, honest, transparent and authentic communication, particularly around your purpose and the way we do things around here, is critically important. And I think there's another piece for me, and and having worked in a lot of teams now and, and having had the privilege of leading and managing a number of people, You can't underestimate the need for repetition. Human beings listen and they'll hear things once, but the reality is for something like culture, which evolves and grows over time, repetition in behaviour and in communication, in role modelling and and ultimately in delivery, is critical to maintaining the performance of your organisation.
1: We started with tone at the top.
0: What were the other two? Mood in the Middle. Right. And buzz
1: at the bottom. So the tone at the top, I think all of your comments after that about the comm strategy, the repetition, making sure that the tone is right, have you discussed the tips for the mood in the middle or the buzz at the bottom?
0: It's really interesting because I've talked about leadership but I think we should also talk about management leadership is probably when we talk about cultural it's about really you know setting that purpose and that inspiration and, and putting the light on the hill for, for the team to follow management is the day-to-day practice and that's everything from your policies and procedures and your structures your physical work environment that has a huge impact on workplace culture and ensuring that that mood in the middle really reflects through that cultural statement if you like and it's a And all staff can feel it. Now, we're talking about bigger organisations when we're talking about these kinds of of hierarchies and structures. But, of course, the same principles are relevant whatever the size in the business.
1: And that, which then drives the buzz at the bottom.
0: Absolutely. And the buzz at the bottom is the customer experience in the tourism sector. Now, when the buzz at the bottom is wrong, you'll read about it on TripAdvisor pretty quickly. Yeah. And ultimately, you know, that that where the rubber hits the road is that face-to-face interaction with a customer that will create, as we know, the greatest form of business growth, you know, much stronger than any print ad in the Sydney Morning Herald or, or, or television campaign, that customer advocacy, and particularly around the human interaction, will be where the success of, of your business continues into the future, or hopefully not
1: otherwise. So... There is a a massive amount of linkages that we're finding amongst these podcasts about successful businesses who inspire their their people to deliver wonderful and exciting and above expectations on the ground to our visitors. We are seeing um, really good policy driving about how they might manage their businesses, what they're doing in their social media, what they're doing with Google AdWords, we've just heard, a whole yeah. range of different things here. And it's inspiring. And you've come along here, Kath, with, a, with another element to a successful business. So unless we've got all of these different things going on at one time, um, it's becoming increasingly uh, obvious that... There are so many elements to manage before you've got a really successful business. Is that right?
0: Yeah, look, Look. I think it is. But I, I think the thing I say about the tourism industry is that delivering a, a great customer experience ultimately should be at the heart of, of why, why you're in this game. So yes, there are many, many elements um, that need to be managed and measured and planned and led and all the other things that we've spoken about. But ultimately, if you've set out participating or defining a purpose around an experience that you want to deliver to a consumer, then you should be able to work through those elements and not be – I hope, David – not be overwhelmed by the enormity of what feels like this complex uh,
1: I don't think operation. It, I don't think it's complex. I think what we're doing is, is um – is is undoing the onion all the time. We've got different leaves all the time and we're beginning to, as John Lennon said, you know, looking at this glass onion, we're beginning to unpeel a whole range of things, finding out a lot more about what makes businesses successful. It's really exciting to find all these different elements that need to come into play. That's what I'm trying to get at.
0: Yeah, and I think um, for anyone who's in business, um, no matter what role you play, is you're not going to be an expert in all of those elements and that's okay. And, uh, you know, we talk about culture and, and, as I say, it's evolutionary. It will grow and evolve and it will change over time in an organisation, as will many of the other elements that you're, that you're referring to. So it's exciting. We've all got an opportunity to learn and grow and ultimately, you know, participate in what is an amazing industry and in a pretty special part of the world. Kath, what are the, some
1: of the practical things that make up workplace culture?
0: Well, I think there's the things that we probably – you know, think of straight away like leadership style and, and management, but some of the probably more, if you like, discrete elements that have a huge impact on organisational workplace culture are around like the practices and traditions that exist within an organisation. So there's a little bit of you know how we do things around here, but it might be you know if it's one of our staff members' birthday, you know, do we do we bring a cake in? Um, do we um, w- what goes on in the tea room? You know, is is chit chat? encourage, but everyone knows when to finish up and, and get back to their PC or front of house or whatever it might be. So policies, they're also an important, um, if you like, ingredient into organisational workplace culture. And they include things like pay, the remuneration, but, but not just the, the actual number, the salary that people are, are offered, but things like flexible working arrangements and how important that is to, to an employee. Another really important part of organisational culture is people, the actual people that work in an organisation. So who they are, what they stand for, how they dress, how they talk to each other. That's a really interesting ingredient. And I think when people think about their own organisations, in many respects, when they think about culture, they'll think about the people that work around them. The other thing that's an interesting one, and and I'd, I'd encourage everyone to have a think about this in their own businesses or their own organisations is the unwritten rules of an organisation. So it's all well and good to have policies and practices and procedures and all those other, you know, really structural things, structured things. But the stuff that goes on around here, the stuff that happens, that has a huge impact on organisational culture.
1: Tell me some of the workplace cultures that you've seen and admired from afar and also... Why do we know that every time you ring Telstra, it's twenty minutes or an hour, and you may not well be speaking with someone who's got a great command of English? So, are there are there great examples for you to give us?
0: Yeah, look, I am. Um, I'm not going to look too far, and I'm going to talk about um, Matt Casey and some of the work that he's done, and and particularly the work at, at Sapphire A when when that was established now a few years back. Um. Matt does organisational culture and workplace culture in an exceptional manner. He's a a values and principally led leader Uh, and from from my perspective observing him is he really does lead by example and set the tone from the top. He's been able to, you know, over many years build an organisational culture that has continued to deliver at the premium end of the – or the luxury end – um, of not just the Tasmanian, not just the Australian, but the international from a tourism product perspective. And I often, uh, you know, I've got the privilege of being able to talk to Matt and, and hear and learn more about his fundamental philosophies. Um, and I think the one thing that I w- would observe with Matt is it is values driven. It is driven not by a process or a procedure. It's driven by him as a human being. And he pours his heart and soul into it. And that's felt, his staff feel that. And of course, they want to emulate it. And ultimately, the customers feel it. And as we know, the response to that experience has been truly extraordinary.
1: And do you have any, now we'd better be careful about who we're going to denigrate here. <laughs> who are the, Which are the worst examples of a workplace culture?
0: Well, I think we've all had experiences, you know, cross sector, where we've we've had an experience and maybe with a computer or maybe with a a staff member and, um, you know, maybe we've got off the phone or we've walked away and thought, geez, they're having a, an ordinary day. And that's come to life in, in the delivery of an experience to a consumer. And, you know, from my experience as a human being, that's, we don't, we rarely give second chances, um, and it's a pretty miserable experience, I think, when as a consumer you're affected by a negative organisational culture experience from an organisa- uh, from an employee level. So I don't want to talk specifics no. or names, but I, I, I would suggest that all of us as consumers have experienced it and it's really not that a pleasant experience.
1: Is, is there a, an inverse proportional law here that the larger the organisation, the more difficult it is to change uh, an, in, an existing or pre-existing workplace culture?
0: Yeah, that's an interesting question. And, and you know, you often think about building a Greenfield culture. So set out, define a cultural statement, put your policies and practices in place, get your key leaders all aligned and set about to deliver. Now, there's no question that, you know, setting from, if you like, Greenfield – um, that that sounds like a more simplistic task as opposed to the other one of which many of us as operators in the, in the Tasmanian tourism industry and in the industry more broadly uh, would have experienced, which is around change in organisational culture. And change in organisational culture is no doubt that is a, a difficult, that is an ongoing um, journey um, that really is about the sum of the parts of everything that you do consistently and repeatedly as an organization. And there's no doubt that's hard. It takes time. The bigger the organization, the bigger the transformation you're looking for. And ultimately, I'd suggest that the longer the organization's been in existence because as we know traditions and culture builds up over over time, probably the more difficult that challenge is. But I think it's it's From my perspective, if you get some really good measures in place, you get the right people around it, that you can change, but you've got to be committed to it.
1: Thank you. If we were to personalise this and bring it right down from the views that you have from an organisational point of view, and you've told us all about strategy and you've told us all about the tone and the mood and the buzz, can you give us some personal examples of how you've seen this enacted.
0: Yeah, well, I'm, I'm fortunate to work with Dominic Baker now down at the Federal Group. And, and Dominic's the CEO of, across uh, Rest Point and Country Club Casinos. And Dom's been with the business now for, for around three years. And uh, for those that know Dom, of which many listening to this podcast possibly do, is um, Dom's a, a energetic, uh, really driven and and quite a fun leader to be around. He's also highly strategic and can has a amazing skill to distill strategy into actionable meaning for everyone on the floor. Now, when he started with us a couple of years ago, he made it a tradition, if you like, that every single morning and every single evening before he got to his desk and before he left the office, that he'd walk the floor and eyeball as many staff and ask them how their morning has, is going or their evening, pick up glasses where appropriate, say day to a couple of customers, get a little bit of feedback along the way, be present, be observable, show action and ultimately a level of care that I, I think is inspirational. Now, every day he's a, he's a busy man. Um, to take those extra probably 20 minutes at the start of the day and 20 minutes at the end of the day, plus all the other incidental moments where he's either front of house or back of house in our operations – has had a huge impact on how our staff view senior management in our business. And there's no doubt that that role modelling and behaviour not only shows a level of care for them as employees, but ultimately a level of care around how we're managing our business to deliver on the customer experience that we've committed to. So I think, yeah, I think Dom's a great example.
1: Thank you. Now, Kath, I'm sure that you came to this podcast series with a whole range of important things you wanted to say. I mean, I've never known you go anywhere without something important to say. So is there any element of workplace culture that we haven't covered with my questions today, Kath, that you wanted to explain?
0: Yeah, there is one thing and and I think it's really important and I think we can see it in the tourism industry here in Tasmania and that is that the role organisational culture plays in attracting terrific staff... There's no doubt that people want to work in an organisation that's going to make them feel good, it's going to enhance their own personal brand and ultimately allows them to deliver something that they're really, really passionate about. And we all know, having worked in different organisations, that the way you feel in the workplace is particularly important to not only your desire to stay in that organisation, but ultimately your desire to do the plus ones, to go above and beyond and to deliver experiences that are are truly world-class. So I think from an organisational culture perspective, we can't underestimate the role that good culture plays in attracting and retaining quality people. And as we know, that is just a critical part of the success of businesses in this industry. Thanks, Kath. My pleasure.
1: And thank you so much for coming in and giving us your time. And thank you to all those people out there that are listening. And I hope you got some great value as I did from our conversation with Kath today. If you've enjoyed today's show, tell your tourism colleagues to take a listen as well. And thank you for staying with us and listening, and we'll see you next week with our next episode.
0: Thank you. You've been listening to Talking Tourism, brought to you by Tourism Industry Council Tasmania. For show notes, other materials and episodes, head to tict.com.au. Be sure to come back every fortnight for a new instalment of Talking Tourism.